Almost 30 with Krista Williams and Lindsay Simpson. Each week, we catch up with Krista and Lindsay to hear what's happening now. What hilariousness happened then? And to ask, is it almost 30? What? I know I like Andrew so much. Yeah, he's, he's so sweet. sweet. He's so sweet. He laughs at everything. I know. He's like the perfect person to joke with. It's so true. How those people live? He makes me feel funny and I'm 100%. not that funny. Yeah. It's funny, like, when someone's quick to laugh, it gives you the confidence to make more jokes, you become more funny. It's like a cycle. so true. Isn't that so true? Yeah. I think that for guys, like, 90% of what they want in a girl is for them to laugh at their jokes. I swear, when Justin describes cool girls, he's always like, she's cool, like, she laughs at jokes, like... (laughs) And for us girls, when we describe our ideal guy, we're like, he's funny. Yes. So true. (laughs) So true. Like, number one, he's funny. Just laugh at my jokes. (laughs) That's what I want. I'm like, just laughing my jokes. <laughs> Damn it. All right. So today, Krista, take it away. Today, we interviewed my girl, Annie Spano of The Style Collective. Annie is an entrepreneur. She's a businesswoman. She started her own business for bloggers. It's a community for women bloggers that provides them resources, content, um, networking, basically everything you need as a blogger starting out or even far along in your journey to move to the next level. Um, she's just super smart at business and she's got a lot of insight to drop. So this interview is really good. We do talk a lot about blogging. We talk a lot about, um, doing your own thing, starting your own business. So kind of it's in more of that realm, but I think there's a lot of points that are relevant for basically anyone that's listening. Absolutely. Yeah. So she's, she's She's awesome. Awesome. She rocks. So we hope you enjoy. Let us know what you think. Um, and please continue to submit your questions, comments on our website, almost30podcast.com. Mm-hmm. Um, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. And Our oh, Instagram yeah. has 1,200 followers. It's I amazing. know. It's cool. We haven't even like, been doing anything. <laughs> yeah, no, everyone's been awesome. It's we, ratchet. I love it. And we do it's respond to DMs and like yes. we want to hear from you. It's fun. We get mad DMs. Yeah, we do crazy so uh so please connect with us this is how like this show is like made yeah connecting with all of you so um we look forward to it and we love you further ado here we go annie spano hi hey girl what's up (laughs) what's going on how's the east coast today East Coast is good. The trees are finally turning, you know, fall-like, all reds and orange and yellows. So it's it's chilly. It's nice. I'm so jealous. It's actually <laughs> getting a little chilly here in L.A., which is so freaking nice. Like, to wake up in the morning and, like, all I want to do is just wear sweatshirts. Me too. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. like, my life. I just want to, like, be in a sweatshirt. No one yeah. knows what's going on underneath. I'm just doing my thing. Shower, no shower. Smell, no smell. <laughs> I'm in a sweatshirt. <laughs> Leggings as pants. Yep. Yep. 100%. Um, I'm so happy that we get to talk today. I'm so happy that we can interview you at almost 30. Um, you are such a, I know the term girl boss could be overused. <laughs> A bit. Um, but you are like, you've managed to create something out of nothing and follow like what's going on in the market and really just respond to that. But then also be forward thinking about what the market's going to want in the future. So with Style Collective, I know that you created it out of a community that we already had, you are able to monetize it, you're able to help girls really build their brand 
build their blog, build their business, and you've just really ran with it and created something amazing. So I'd love for you to talk about what you do, like who you are, what you do, and what is Style Collective. All right. Yeah. There's a lot of backstory here. We got time. <laughs> I'm excited yeah. to get into. So I started, so my undergrad is in mathematics education and I started off as a high school math teacher for two years. And after, you know, doing that, I decided that I wanted to change careers. We were also moving. I was living in New Jersey at the time. I'm originally from New York. And so we moved up to New Hampshire. That was six years ago. And I started working a corporate job and I transitioned and I started as a coordinator and I was really learning business, learning marketing, learning product development, just learning everything about business and absorbing it all, taking it all in and Mm -hmm. just really loved the challenge. Mm -hmm. And about two years into that, I went back to school full time at night while I worked full time during the day and I got my MBA So those two years were extremely challenging, but they changed my life. They changed my outlook on the world and leadership and the way that you treated people and the way that you were successful in when running a business. And I've always kept that with me, the relationships that I made and the network that I have from business school. Like I still talk to all my friends from business school. I'm actually going to one of my friends' weddings next weekend who I graduated business school with who lives up here. And so that is like another aspect to what inspired Style Collective, the whole networking part of it, the leadership part Mm -hmm. of it. And then the other thing that I went through was towards the end of my corporate career, there was a woman that I had worked with and she was emotionally abusive towards me and bullied other women in the workplace. And I had started to realize that this was happening about halfway through my MBA program. And then I took a leadership course and really learned about what leadership was and how you can like mobilize your resources to like achieve your purpose. When you work together, then you can achieve whatever your goal is. You don't have to compete against each other or bully people or be nasty or negative and tear people down to like make yourself feel better. That's not going to help you achieve your goals. So after going through that and realizing, having this like self-realization moment, I like climbed up Maslow's hierarchy of needs and I was like, self-actualization, like (laughs) pyramid. And I was like, holy shit, like this woman, like this is not normal at all. And so I really started to realize what she was doing. I started fighting back. I couldn't figure out how to work with her, work against her. I got really into meditation because I was just like breaking down at work every single day, crying, didn't know what to do, went to HR. They didn't know what to do. She just couldn't be changed. She was her own worst enemy. She tried to change, but then she would just slip right back into her old habits and start attacking people. And so it eventually turned into a situation where I just had to get out. There was nothing that was going to be done to make the situation better. So I got out. I was in a really bad place. I was very down about myself and my confidence. And at the time I had started a blog 
as, you know, a passion project and wanted to learn more about influencer marketing because I saw it becoming a big trend. I love marketing. I love fashion. I love helping other people, teaching other people, especially with my teaching background. So what I did is I just, I wanted to start somewhere. I wanted to become an expert in the space. So I started to get to know it. And this was my focus that I picked and what I started to do on the side. So I did lots of research on that subject and I've really tried to become a subject matter expert. I don't feel like I am, but I'm getting there every day. I'm learning from the girls in the group and like learning from my peers, reading tons of books, always like seeing what's going on in the marketplace. So what what ended up happening with the fashion blog is that... I saw that all of the girls that had kind of started around the same time as me, we were all looking for information. Like, how do you, how do you do this? How do you write a post? Like, what is all of this? How do you find brands? How do they find you? What is influencer marketing? Are you supposed to get paid for this? Like, wow, people will Mm -hmm. send you stuff. Like what? And, And it was just, it was crazy. Like there's no guidebook to blogging. So we started to realize like when we work together on sharing information it helped all of us grow at a faster rate and really made us happy. And we started to develop these friendships that we didn't have before. So the idea for Style Collective is really like the foundation of women helping women. And it comes from my experience with that woman in the workplace who was the total opposite. And so my mission is for mm. you know people not to compete against each other, but to help each other. So with Style Collective, it turned into, you know, first it was a network for women to come together. And then I was like, let's provide the tools and the resources and the education and everything, the meetups for everyone to come together and achieve like their long-term goal. Because in the blogging space, it's very saturated. There's a lot of people that are blogging. Yeah. The uh, supply is increasing, but the demand with you know, the monetization is still the same that Mm -hmm. it's been with really supply and demand issues. So what can we do so that people don't start blogging and then feel defeated and then they just give up? Like what is the end goal End end goal, not just working with brands, but doing other things like becoming an entrepreneur. That's really the true end goal to starting a blog. So that's pretty much, you know, what Style Collective is. It gives you, it helps you think more in the entrepreneurial space and being a young, you know, a younger millennial, it's very trendy to start a blog and millennials are all about, you know, they don't want to be in a nine to five office. They want to travel. They want to experience the world. They don't want to be specialists. They want to learn everything. You want your work to be integrated with your lifestyle. So like, how can we serve the millennial generation, which is very different from our parents' generation. And I really think that blogging is an amazing place to start. And it's a stepping stone to get you to the path that you want to go on. Mm -hmm. And I think that is very true for me. And I know, Like, that's how I kind of see it. And I've literally used this line for the past couple of days, but it's like part of the baseline of what I want to do with my business or what I want to do with myself. My blog is going to be a stepping stone for me and what I want to create on a bigger scale. And I want to touch on that, but there was a point I really want to talk about. And I think it's important is about the bully in your workplace. So your Mm, boss that was a bully and that was challenging to you. I think that is so with every 
thing that most people created often starts with a heartbreak or it starts with a challenge or it starts with something that's very, very painful that makes them go in a different direction or leads them on another path. And I think that's always something that I need to remember or people need to remember that if something is challenging or something is painful, it will lead you to something that's greater or better or bigger Mm. or on a different journey that's going to be better for you in the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Like everything that happens in your life shapes what happens in the future. Like anything that's negative is an opportunity that is now created for you. So like the bullying turned into an opportunity of me wanting to help women and like any kind of hardship that you go through in your life, instead of, you know, pitying yourself and being like, Oh, poor me, poor me. Like, how can you take what you've learned and use that experience to do something better in the world? Mm-hmm. I love that. It's like a redirection, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and taking that opportunity and not like sitting in kind of what feels bad about it. It's mm-hmm. like, what, what is the message here? And then going from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have examples? Like, what would she do to you? What would she do to me? What did she do? Oh, my God. Because I feel um, like people don't know, like, what – people could be being bullied every day, and they don't know that yeah, what no, is happening is true. wrong. So, okay. So, an example. This – Oh my God. She's like batshit crazy. So her favorite her name? thing to do. <laughs> Give us her name. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could. Oh my God. I wish I could. Okay. So her favorite thing to do was to lock me in her office and Normal. go down a laundry list of all the things that were wrong with me. Shut the fuck up. I'm not kidding. And she would lock me in her office lock. for like an hour and... You know, I would like, I would literally start meditating in the middle of her yelling at me, telling me that nobody in the workplace liked me and that I was never going to advance in my career as long as she was there. There was no place for me to go, threatening me, saying, Are you in or are you out? Maybe it's time for you to leave and move on from this place. And so, like, (gasps) that's when I really started to meditate because I, I had no idea. How old were you? How old were you at this yeah. point? Um, this was a year ago when I was 30. Wow. And this yeah. woman is in her 50s. Holy shit. Is she single? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bitch has not caught a dick in years. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Holy shit. Yeah. That is she was insane. Very, she was vicious. And I just think that... She felt, maybe she felt threatened. I I don't really know. She would tell me, you know, there's a hierarchy. You need to respect the hierarchy. You're down here on the bottom and I'm up here at the top because she was a director. It was my boss's boss. So yeah, she just, I think she had confidence issues that she projected outward onto Mm -hmm. everybody else. That is just horrible. I'm so sorry. That is, yeah, I can't even, I don't even have any words for that. That is, like, horrible. Yeah, I think, like, the worst part of it, though, was that for the first three years, Mm -hmm. I just perceived that as normal. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, because, like, the culture in the office was just like, oh, yeah, there she goes again, like. Yes, oh, my God, yes. They allowed it. They were, were, like, giving her. Yes. That was, there was a guy at my first job and he, uh, like, 
he he was just like terrible in a weird way. I can't even explain it. He would just say really inappropriate things that were sometimes like sexual, sometimes not, but just like make everyone very uncomfortable. And he had had like four um, sexual harassment files against him. And oh I had my boss above me file a sexual harassment charge against him on my behalf. And mm-hmm. it was one of those situations where I was talking to higher ups. I was talking to like managing directors about it because I had to because of HR. And everyone was just sort of acting like it was just Joe. His name's not Joe, but they were just like, oh, that's Joe. Joe says that yeah. or Joe does that. And it's like, no, like that's not okay and that's not normal and like that shouldn't mm-hmm. be excused or like normalized. Do you know what I mean? Like what yeah, is like Exactly. And like as long as those people are in Yeah the place like saying like, Oh, that's part of the culture and it's okay to act like that and that's excusable. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing you can do to change the culture. I tried to change the culture and I told my um, my boss that I was trying to change the culture and mm-hmm. he like freaked out and was like, you know, what do you mean you're trying to change the culture? <laughs> and like, yeah, they're just, it's, you know, if people aren't open to it, then it's just going to remain the same. Yeah, completely. Um, yeah. okay. I loved, I just needed to talk about that. I need to talk about the yeah. bully. No, I, I need to it. get details on a bullying <laughs> situation. this but one out of eight couples struggle with infertility it's kind of staggering most people don't know and or aren't ready to talk about it and the thing is we really need good data and information about our bodies in order to have informed conversations with our doctors and make the best decisions for ourselves and for our future sometimes we can be so lost in the shame of it all that we forget to really take action and figure out our best options. And that's why Modern Fertility was created. I've been having fertility conversations with a lot of you in my DM, so I'm excited to talk about Modern Fertility. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home, major, major, with a simple finger prick. You mail it in with a prepaid label, and you'll get personalized results within six business days, okay? And you'll get insight into your hormone levels, like your ovarian reserve, aka if you have more or fewer eggs than average for your age, and other important factors that can impact your fertility. Results really go deep into what every hormone means, and you can also download the results to review with your doctor for next steps. Just to give you a sense, traditional hormone testing at a fertility clinic can cost over $600, but Modern Fertility tests the same general set of hormones at a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash almost 30, you can get $30 off your test. Plus you can get reimbursed for the test through your FSA, HSA. If you want kids today or maybe one day in the future, clinically sound info about your body can help you make that decision that's right for you. So right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $30 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash almost 30. This is limited time. So take advantage now. That means your test will cost $149, which is really, really great. Hormone testing at a fertility clinic, again, can cost three times as much. Get $30 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash almost 30. That's modernfertility.com slash almost 30. 
And now Style Collective is what it is. And I want to talk about, like, so what is it that made you make it a business or make it more than just a community? Like, you've really taken this little bit of information and really made it into your full-time job, helping women, talking to other women, connecting with women in the blogging world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think that... Like, you have to start somewhere. So when I first started it, it was a place for women to come together and share information. And so that was really the need. That was the initial need that I had identified. And I was actually really nervous to start charging for it because, Mm. and that was a lot of resistance, you know, that I got at the beginning. Like, why do I have to pay for this? But Like, it's not that I'm taking the money and I'm pocketing it. Like, I don't pay myself. I Mm -hmm. haven't paid myself and I probably won't pay myself for at least another couple of years. My goal is to, you know, I have to get money somehow so that I can put it back into the business and Mm -hmm. grow it and be able to provide better resources for the people that are helping to support it. It's almost like crowdsourcing, you know, Mm because I don't have funding. So like you have to start somewhere, you pay the bills. So I do have people that help me now, which is nice. I'm able to put money back in so that I can like make the technology better or add new features or things like that. And so starting with it being a network and then asking for people to pay me on a monthly basis, that was really hard. Mm -hmm. But as it continued to grow, I've been able to, you know, get to know everyone who's in the network and be able to find my differentiator Mm -hmm. and what makes me unique from all of the other blogging communities or, you know, blogging resources that are out there or courses or whatever. And so what I have started to notice from getting to know my customers and what they care about is I'm now able to like take that information and that knowledge and ask some questions and get to know their unique needs and then kind of create my niche from there. So I really started like not knowing what my niche was. And then as I started to get to know everyone within the group, I've been able to carve out that niche. Now, did you, so I'm asking because I don't know um, your history, but Mm -hmm. did you have a blog yourself? I do have a blog myself. Yes. So did you, has it changed since Mm -hmm. you started Style Collective in terms of like the focus and... I mean, I know you have a blog, but just in terms of like how it's changed since you've started Style Collective. Yeah, I think that like having a blog, you're always evolving. That's, you know, part of having a business as well. You're always evolving based on like what the feedback is about your business. Like strategy is all about taking the time to like do those halftime adjustments and say what's working, what's not working and where do I go from here to um, refine it a little bit more. So definitely with my blog, I started like most people writing about everything under the sun and then realizing, you know, I can't really do that. I need Mm -hmm. to focus a little bit more. And so like it started with one name and I was doing it with my sister because I just like, I needed the help and she wanted to blog as well. So she dabbled in it a little bit. And then I changed my blog's name and then I've really kind of focused on like what I write about more, but it's more of a passion project. I do it to learn the influencer industry and it helped me find like that need of, 
you know, forming a community that became Style Collective. And I think the community piece is so important. Like I know with Soul Cycle, like Lindsay as a Soul Cycle instructor, the community that that's what makes Soul Cycle Soul Cycle. You know, it's like it is different in the workout that it is, and it is different because the instructors are unparalleled. Like they are, like it's. I'm sound like a freak leak, but they're more than instructors. You know, like, mm-hmm. and that's the community behind it. And Soul Cycle really hit that nail on the head with creating a community of people that are support each other, that love each other, that are uplifting and positive. And so, and style collectives like that too. It's where we know each other, we know our strengths and weaknesses, and we're like uplifting po- and positive in that same way. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we were talking about this. We love to hear about, um, like, kind of what your typical day is, mm-hmm. you know, from the moment you wake up, what your rituals are, to right when you go to bed. So I'm sure it's extremely busy, but mm-hmm. you as an entrepreneur <laughs> and owning your own business, it's always interesting to kind of take a peek into the lives of people who have, like, become really successful and created the life that they've always wanted. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. This is like one of my favorite things that Tim Ferriss talks about on his podcast. Mm-hmm. I just we're a little bit him. like Tim Ferriss. <laughs> we're a little, our guests are a little <laughs> like Tim Ferriss. We're a little like, <laughs> it's a great parallel. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So for me, like, yeah, so usually I wake up like seven thirty, which is so nice. I used to wake up at 4.30 in the Damn. morning when I was in business school. So it's nice that, you know, I, I wake up at 7.30 now and I go to the gym. I make sure that like my health is very important to me, my health and wellness. Like if I'm not my best physically, um, then I can't be the best for my business as well. So mm-hmm. I'm always I'm at the gym six days a week, I'm very much a morning person with going to the gym. I always do fasted workouts. So go to the gym for about an hour and then come home, make breakfast, pretty much eat the same thing every day, which is 40 grams of oatmeal with 100 grams of blueberries, five egg whites with one egg, and then spinach. And that's what I make for breakfast. Wait, all to- do you mix it all together or is that separate? Yeah. No, it's separate. Oh, I was like, oh, damn, that's a new one. I Wait, love you measure thing. your stuff. <laughs> Love it. I measure everything. Yeah, oh Courtney God. has me measure everything. And I think it's a little bit of the type A in me as well. Mm. I like measuring my food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, girl, you rock that type A. <laughs> I'm like, I pour till I see the end of the box. <laughs> I pour till it's out. <laughs> I really need to oh measure. God, I, like, need to do that. That's amazing. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, and then we make... <laughs> We make French press coffee every morning. My husband makes it. And so we have breakfast together in our kitchen. It's cute. Mm-hmm. Shit. I'm just kind of, Balls. you know, sometimes we talk, sometimes we don't talk. You know, we just eat and hang out and usually read the skim, which is pretty hilarious. Yeah, I love the skim. Know. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I head upstairs around, I don't know, 9.30 or 10. Sometimes a shower, sometimes. Sometimes I wait till like five o'clock at night to shower. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I head upstairs. I do work. My day is, you know, it varies. Some days I have calls with people. I've been trying to do that and just um, do more work Mm -hmm. or thinking or planning or strategizing or, you know, those kinds of things. But I'm pretty much on 
my computer from 10 a.m. until dinner time. And then after dinner, I'll stay on my computer as well because that's when everybody is online at nighttime. So, yeah, between being on my computer and being on my phone, like I'm always on my device, some kind of device. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, I do like to take breaks sometimes to like in New Hampshire, I'm basically in the middle of nowhere. So like anytime I have to drive somewhere, it's like 20 minutes to the grocery store, mm. 20 minutes to Starbucks, 20 minutes to everything. So I always have podcasts or audiobooks on when I'm in the car. And so that's a really great way for me to like do like the education part and like keep learning and keep my my knowledge base growing whenever I have to drive somewhere because everything is so fucking far away that's totally. LA baby mm-hmm. Lindsay yeah. drives <laughs> two hours in the morning to class to Newport two days a week and it's um, oh I'm calling it my meditation time yeah. <laughs> it's really it's my time to get to know myself oh my sometimes it's difficult to be in the car that long but it's so good I it mean, hurts pop- your body yeah, that's the thing. But I mean, like you, I mean, working out in the morning, I think is key too. Mm-hmm. It just kind of gets everything like ready and willing mm-hmm. for anything. I love a morning workout mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like a level of discipline too. Like when you're an entrepreneur, you have to be very disciplined. And so, yeah, so true. Out, like, yeah, it's like you're disciplined in every aspect of your life with your fitness and your eating, hence the measuring, <laughs> and, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. It's just a lifestyle when you're an entrepreneur. I want to talk about like being a blogger. I was thinking about with like the lifestyle of an entrepreneur and being disciplined. There's so many myths about being an entrepreneur. And yeah. I feel like there's so many myths about blogging too. Like I would love to like talk about those like some of okay like as an example I feel like people think that bloggers make so much money and I think that at a point you're making nothing and then you're making so much money do you know what I mean like I feel like it's hard to be like in between and I feel Mm -hmm. like that's like and a myth also too is like how people make money so I feel like people don't understand how bloggers make money and Mm -hmm there's just like stigmas around doing nothing, but getting paid a lot for it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that blogging, you can look at it in a similar way to like, let's say you open a store, Mm -hmm. a boutique. When you first open a business, like you're not going to have a lot of revenue. Mm -hmm. No one's going to know about it. You have to do your diligence to market it. And get the word out there, find your customers or find your readers and get to know them. And then they become loyal and then you have an audience that you can sell to or, you know, people that customers that keep coming back that keep buying from you. And it does like with any business, you it's very hard to make money in the beginning and you do it for free for a long time until you start to gain traction and momentum and um I'm just trying to think <laughs> I lost my track <laughs> I was thinking about what when that turn is you know like when you turn to making it's hard to like be the blogger and yeah. be doing free and then making money like it's hard mm. to be like finally like I deserve to be paid for this you know like yeah. I so in terms of like leveraging brands or are you talking more about like brand partnerships and like being paid for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blogger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I definitely think that that is a supply and demand issue. I think that the demand of 
you know, the companies, they have the budgets that they have and they're able to spend it on the certain amount of partnerships a year, you know, for their marketing budgets. But the supply of bloggers has dramatically increased over the last two to three years. So the people who have started in 2010, 2012, like they have hundreds of thousands of followers across social platforms and they're able to, you know, they really have their audience that they're able to monetize from, whether it's through brand partnerships or affiliate links or creating their own revenue streams through products or services or whatever. Like it's not just one way of making money when you have a large audience like that. So now with the popularity of blogging picking up and we have so many bloggers in the space that are kind of in that like mid tier area where you Mm -hmm. have like you've been blogging for a year or two and you're not a newbie but you're not at that like hundred thousand level so it's like what do you do right because the brands are telling you I don't we don't have budgets Mm -hmm. and so do you just keep taking free product and so I think like this is what nobody is talking about everyone Mm -hmm. just like you know people they don't complain about it, but I just think that they're like, well, we don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to talk about it. And like, maybe someone will have a solution. Mm -hmm. But I think what it is, is that when you first start blogging, like you don't make money from it, you have to build your audience and then you Mm -hmm. have to use it as a path to start something else. Like the brand partnerships and getting free product, it's a way for you to learn how to do marketing, how to speak to your audience, how to figure out what they like and what they don't like. Mm -hmm. If you do a brand partnership, someone sends you a watch and you get zero feedback from it. Well, you're not going to have a watch business. So we, we figured that out and didn't cost you anything to figure that out. Mm -hmm. So I think that brand partnerships are a way for you to figure out what your audience likes and doesn't like. And if you can make money from it, that's awesome. But I don't think that just living on brand partnerships as your income is where it's at. Completely. And that's like a lot of, not really the reason why I did almost 30. It was more like just felt so right between Lindsay and I, and it was just like a calling, you know, but now that we're doing it, I see it as more than that. Like, you know, so I see it as like another avenue for me or another channel for us to like get out there, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because, you know, having a podcast on your, you know, as part of your credentials or your resume or whatever you want to call it now is like, it opens the door for being a speaker mm-hmm. at conferences or going on to your local news station, because now you have experience with public speaking and, and, you know, interviewing people and being consumer facing in a different way than just writing on your blog. So it's a huge value add if you want to go down that path. I can't imagine any news channel asking me to be on their fucking show. <laughs> I was just—I was literally just daydreaming about that. I'm like, Were you? They would ask us to you even. <laughs> they would be like, oh, I, don't I don't even know. know. <laughs> well, maybe that's the problem. Like these news channels—they're so—they're so dated. They're, yeah, they're so it's dated. So dated. We're fresh and they're dated. <laughs> serving the millennial segment that is the truth man actually that is the truth that news is not serving the millennials damn no it's so true yeah especially in their style yeah (laughs) 
want to be scared all the time. Like that was our parents' generation to yep. always want to be scared. Yep. You know, and our yeah. generation's kind of like, eh, fuck that. Like I literally don't want to live in fear of leaving my house. So I'm not going to yeah. watch the news. Well, look, look at the skim and what they do. They make yeah. it fun and cool and engaging. The skim should have a news. So true. Does the yeah. skim have a podcast? I don't think so. I think they have an, they have an app. Okay. They should have a news channel. Yeah, there's like a space for that. We could be on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we would be on. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask us any more. <laughs> any more about this story. We only know the skimmed part. What has been your What has been your biggest challenge in creating your own business? Um, yeah. Maybe the like the harshest criticism or pushback from people from people in the community or outside the community that has like really challenged you. Uh, the hardest part of writing this down so I don't like get off track okay um the hardest part though I would definitely say the hardest part is bootstrapping the whole thing like I don't yeah. have funding like I said yeah. before and I think that being a you know people pushed back in the beginning about like why do I have to pay for this why mm. isn't this free and it's like okay you don't get the bigger picture like I'm not just this girl who's like, yes, all the money, all the cash money, like yeah. going out buying designer stuff. Like, no, I have to take it. I've seriously like every single $10 payment or $99 payment that has come in. Cause those are the dues like $10 a month or $99 a year. I have saved every single penny since the end of February. And now I'm finally at a place where I can actually hire like WordPress developers to, you know, be able to take the resources that I have with the site and take it to the next level yeah. before that, you know, the hardest part was doing everything myself. And luckily, like my husband helped me with so many things. He's, you know, an entrepreneur at heart as well. He had a, his own business right after college for five years. And so he gets it and he would see me like ripping my hair out, being up until all hours of the night, trying to like code the website or answer emails or, you know, just so many things that you have to do. And so that honestly, the hardest part is getting started and trying to convince people of the value. And so like the girls that believed in it from the beginning and have been with Style Collector from the beginning, like they just, I will love them forever because they mm. are contributing to something that is going to be so much bigger than, you know, what it is right now. And so that is the hardest part, like having to do everything. And I always keep in mind my favorite quote from business school from my strategy professor that it's not about resources. It's about resourcefulness because it's so easy to go down that hole of saying, I don't have the money. I don't have the resources. I don't have a team. I don't have this. I don't have that. But instead of looking at it in a very negative way of like seeing what you don't have and just like giving up because it's so easy to get discouraged. Like look at what you do have and just try to make the most of it and be resourceful with what you do have. So that's definitely the hardest part. And I think too, you, that's like touched on kind of like the question that we wanted to talk about next was looking at what you do have versus what you don't have. And I think that mm -hmm. being in the blogging community and with Lindsay, she's a fitness model and fitness instructor and actress. We are in a world of comparison mm -hmm. and yes. like it is just so rampant in what we do. Like it is, 
it's so present. And I think that that's something that I really struggle with. I mean, me and Lindsay had a conversation, like a very, um, raw conversation a few weeks ago about just like a day where we were both like maybe me more so on that day in particular we're just having a really bad comparison day you know like seeing Mm -hmm. someone else and wanting what they have or you know just kind of like seeing something and then creating a story in your head of what they have and why they have it (laughs) and kind of like wanting that you know what I mean and I I don't know. It's just, it's, it's challenging. Do you feel that too? Like with what you do? Yes. I have my days where I get discouraged Mm -hmm. where like actually yesterday was one of these days where Mm -hmm. I was just like, I don't know. I just felt like, what am I doing? I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. Like, Mm -hmm. am I doing enough? Am I not doing enough? Like, Mm-hmm. what is it that I'm doing? I don't know. I just, I felt like I had one of those days where I was just feeling really discouraged and like not necessarily comparing myself against someone else or another business or, you know, maybe I was subconsciously cause I was doing a lot of competitive analysis to see like what my competitors are doing and how I can differentiate myself. So seeing like, that's called Instagram how- trolling for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I yeah. do that through trolling through Instagram. <laughs> I'm like, it's competitive analysis. everyone. <laughs> so funny yeah just call it competitive analysis and then you'll sound really smart yep. <laughs> like me in my bed like with like it's competitive analysis justin yeah, exactly. leave me alone <laughs> i know so it's like when i start to get down into that whole like i just have to remember like the positive things and so you know i know that i talked about tim ferris before i kind of like love him and i'm so do so- we mm-hmm <laughs> But he talks about how he has a jar of awesome. Have you guys hmm. heard of that? No. Okay, so yeah. I, I want to start this, and I've been talking about it, like, for months now. I need to get my ass in gear. But basically, it's like whenever something really awesome happens to you, you write it down on a piece of paper, and you put it in the jar of awesome. Mm, and so that's fun. either that. Yeah, <laughs> so either, like, at the end of the year, you go through the jar of awesome, and you, like, kind of look at all the awesome things that happened throughout the year to make you feel good. Or you do it on a day where like you're down in that, in the dumps, you know, you're comparing yourself or you're feeling like you're not good enough. And so you take that jar and you like go through all of the good things that have happened because it's so easy to forget about the good things. You know, it's easier to dwell on the hardships or the bad things. Those just stand out in your mind. I just think it's our human nature of, so we are true. How we're so having that jar of awesome can definitely help. Do you ever find, like, do you ever get in the mode of, like, just putting your blinders on? Like, sometimes mm. I just, I force myself to forget that, um, you're good at that. Other people are doing what I'm, like, literally yep. thousands, hundreds of thousands of girls in LA mm. look like me, are yep. doing what I want to do. Yep. And I'm like, most days I'm really good at just forgetting that they exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but it's not always good because it's, I think it, it is good to see what other people are doing and how they're doing it and being yeah. open to maybe like the path that they've taken and maybe you can take a little like nugget from mm-hmm. their path. But do you find like putting blinders on is, um, effective for you or are you constantly like just seeing what other people are doing in your, in your business? So I think that putting the blinders on is the way to go. <laughs> 
I agree about that life. Like I try not to do too much competitive analysis. Like I will limit it to once a month or like once every couple of weeks because like doing the analysis is good because you can see what other people are doing and how you could do it better or do it different. And you will get those nuggets where you may have an aha moment or think of a new idea Mm -hmm. or, you know, something. Um, but other than that, like you can start to feel like, Oh my God, I, I'm not good enough. Or what am I doing? Or why am I doing this? Or I'm nobody, or I, I'm not as good as this. And so I think it's good to do the analysis, not very frequently, but every now and then, just so that you're aware, you're not blindsided by your competition. And then other than that, just stay in your own lane, you know, focus on yourself and your goals and the people that you're serving and what they want and what they need and, you know, serve them and you'll be successful. I feel like putting blinders on is like what saved me. Like I feel like I literally live and I don't mean it selfishly, but it may be, but I live in my own world. Like I don't look at people. This is bad. Like sometimes when I'm out, I don't look at people because I don't want to compare other bloggers. I have specific blogs I look at, but I don't want to be in that too long. In my Instagram, I don't really look at Instagram that much anymore besides when I post or to support people Mm -hmm. I love because it's just too much information for me and I don't want to be clouded or copying anyone else or I don't want to be diluted with like that kind of information of comparison, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. We want to know, I mean, I know Krista's in this mm-hmm. business and I'm learning as I go along. I don't have a blog. I don't, I don't think I'll have a blog, but I'm fascinated mm-hmm. by the <laughs> blogosphere. Um, but you're in the industry as like a public figure. Yeah, true. Well, mm-hmm. so anyone wanting to like create a brand, create mm-hmm. a blog, create their own business, like what would, what would like your top, top piece of advice be? for someone just starting out or someone who has like an amazing idea and and they're just not sure how to like put it into motion. So I think the number one thing is just doing it. Yeah. Like just start, stop making excuses, stop trying to make it perfect. Stop. Like just stop everything. Just stop delaying it. Like just jump in Mm -hmm. and do the damn thing. Like, you're only hurting yourself by delaying. Like Mm -hmm. who cares if you launch a blog and the theme is disgusting and your photos are quality. (laughs) Disgusting was a good word. I know. Yeah. You just, you just need to get started and you aren't going to learn unless you are doing it and you're figuring out what you like and what you don't like and how you can, you know, represent your personal brand through everything that you're doing and getting to, and getting the feedback as you're doing things like the con- consumer feedback, like that is the most important part the reader mm-hmm, so feedback true. and like tailoring your content to the people that you are trying to serve. And that will help you figure out a business that you eventually want to launch. So the hardest part is getting started. I see it. I see people that like, want to start or they are just working on things forever Mm -hmm. or they can't like figure out a name and it's like whatever who cares Mm -hmm. like I changed my blog name like 50,000 times (laughs) it happens (laughs) like it's called pivoting like businesses do that they pivot so you just have to get started 
And that's like a fear thing. Like if you just are like, well, I want to do this or that, it's excuses. Excuses. You know, everything's an excuse. Well, I want to make sure that I'm whatever. It's an excuse. Excuses will kill your idea faster than anything else. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. You said one time in class, Lindsay said, how often do your laters turn into nevers? I thought that was such a good one. Like when you're saying later I'll do X, you know, later, whatever, it's most often probably never going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, definitely. That is a good one. I'm going to put that on my quote board. <laughs> yeah, we're going to make t-shirts soon. <laughs> They're going to be sick. <laughs> so what? Do it. Don't delay. Exactly. <laughs> what is next for Style Collective? Like, what are you excited about? What's next? I am excited. Every day I'm excited with the growth. And that's my number one priority is growing the membership every single day. Like, if a day goes by and we don't get new members, I actually get really, really upset with myself and think about Wait, that's amazing. what do I have to do yeah. differently? Why, why is my marketing not working or my strategy that I'm using right now? Why is it not working? So growing the membership and the membership growth is so important because strength in numbers and we need to support each other. And my next big initiative is really talking about what is the point of having a blog and what is your end goal and how can we help you get there Mm -hmm. with starting your own business or, you know, maybe you want to do jewelry design, clothing design, open your own store. You want to be the next Juliana Rancic or, you know, be a public speaker or speak at conferences. Like what, what is the goal and what are the ways that you can achieve that? Mm. So I would love to have conferences or workshops, but you know, we have to have the audience to be able to do that. I'm not going to put together a conference if there's two people that are going to be able to attend. So we have to help. You got two right here. (laughs) How many, how many members do you have? We have just over 400. Oh my God. That's insane. Wait, I didn't know that. Cause last time I think I knew it was like 220. Yeah. It's just over 400. That's crazy. That's awesome. I love that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. As our last question, twenties, Annie and thirties, Annie. So what were you like in your twenties? And then what are you looking forward to? Or what are you excited about for your thirties? Okay. So twenties, Annie. Um, all right. In college, I was a wild child. Mm. I'm sure. <laughs> Do explain. Mm-hmm. What's that? I'm like, oh, expand upon that. Yeah. <laughs> we can relate to them. In high school, I was like very sheltered. I came from, I come from an Italian family and just my father was very much like a disciplinarian, very strict. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was one time I didn't make honor roll and I was grounded for the entire quarter, wasn't allowed to talk on the phone, go on the computer or watch TV. And so, Ah. you know, very strict Italian upbringing. And then when my mom died when I was 17, it was kind of like, oh, my God, like, what do I do? So, like, I really focused on school my senior year of high school and got really good grades, got into college that I wanted to go to. And then I got to college and it was just like all hell broke loose. <laughs> like I had, you know, never really drank before, mm. never partied, never lived on my own. I just had all this freedom and 
I just went crazy. Like I, I went crazy. I was drinking all the time with my friends. I was on a sports team. So luckily like we had dry nights before meets. And so I was only Mm. drinking like once or twice a week, which wasn't that bad, but it was like, every time I drank, it was like, yes, time to blackout, you know? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, like college, that was the goal. Yep. (laughs) The goal in college. Nothing was was casual. Yeah. Nothing casual about drinking. Like I remember when I met, I met Mike, my now husband, um, when I was 21 and he came and visited my college. We were both seniors in college and it was like a Saturday and we were driving around through campus and there's like, you know, it was a huge sports school. I went to SUNY Cortland, which is upstate New York Mm -hmm. by Syracuse and Binghamton and a huge sports school and everyone day drinks and plays like beer pong out on their front lawns. We used to play all these crazy drinking games where we had like scavenger hunts with like six packs of beer and like every time you like found the six pack of beer with your team you'd had to chug the whole case and then you'd have to figure figure out the next clue and run to the next house and find the six pack of beer and drink all of that with your teammates and so (laughs) it was like a huge drinking school and he was just amazed he went to northeastern in boston he was like we don't do this in boston it's like I don't know like that's what we do we just drink all day long and all night long like it's crazy. Wow. <laughs> and then for your 30s, what are you looking forward to? What are you excited about? Yeah. So 20s were all about like getting the party girl out of my system. Love that. I met Mike when I was 21, got married when I was 24, and then very much calmed down because of him. Thank goodness. I don't want to know where I would be Aww. right now. <laughs> but 30s are all about like 30s are really cool. I just turned 31 in May. Ow. And I feel like I'm finally getting comfortable in my own skin and starting to feel confident. Mm. Like I got out of the yeah. bad work situation. I'm finally starting to get like some courage and confidence to like be my best self and help other people and take risks and do things that I wouldn't have been able to do in my twenties. Like, I don't think I would have ever started a business in my twenties. Cause I would have felt like I didn't have enough knowledge or resources to be able to do it. But now in my thirties, I'm just like, Ooh, I got this. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. You just don't overthink it as much. Mm-hmm. It yeah, feels, yeah, it's just, yeah. It feels yeah. like you deserve it. It feels like you've kind of created this life Mm. instead of like Mm. I don't know in your 20s like you're just like "Ah, ah, ah." totally your parents create it your friends create it because your peer pressure Mm -hmm. you don't know why you're living the life you're living and then in your 30s you kind of understand yeah yeah it's interesting Mm. like you're I would say like late 20s you're still trying to figure out like who you are and what you want to do and what your purpose in life is and then as you approach your 30s it it starts to become more clear. Mm-hmm. It definitely yeah. becomes more clear. Yep. So true. Completely. Whew. This has been awesome. This girl. is a good yeah. one. I love, I just love how concise you are. I love the way you speak. I love how smart you are. I love how business minded you are. I love how thoughtful you are. Um, Thank you. It is just always such a pleasure working with you through Style Collective. And I just, I love our chats when I'm on my way to work and we just talk about blog life and everything that's happening. Um, and I'm excited to see where style collective goes. 
Thank you. I know. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I was excited about this all week long. We <laughs> were too. We can't wait until this goes live. Um, how can our listeners reach you? Um, whether through the website or email or things like that. Yeah. So I I'm on Instagram at Annie underscore Spano. And I talk about my blog there and I talk about style collective and just kind of like little behind the scenes things. So that's definitely the best way to reach me. I always reply to my messages and you can find out what I'm doing there. So it's at Annie underscore Spano. Love that. Perfect. Great, sister. All right, we'll link everything on our show notes for you about Style Collective, about you, everything like that. But it's been amazing. Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you guys so much. You're the best. Now go join your husband and watch some football. Yeah, he's waiting for you. I don't have TV. Oh, good for you. Same, girl. Everyone thinks we're weird, but we're cool. We are cool. We're way cool. Oh my God, can I tell you, I just found out last week what Netflix and chill means. I'm oh my god, I love you. <laughs> I'm obsessed with you. And that's like like in New Hampshire is where you would do it. A hundred. Yeah. Netflix and chill. hundred. And like fake pumpkins around your house. And like pines and yeah. blankets and yep. Yeah, and like your college sweatshirt on. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You guys go Netflix and chill. (laughs) All right, girl. We love you. Love you. Talk to you soon. Bye.